We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. Can you explain to the folks why it has been three albums from you in like 15 years? It's hard to look at those statistics for me because I want to be prolific and I feel like I'm definitely moving into a period where there's like more ideas and more skill, I guess I've learned, you know. I think I I take a long time to do things. I think I second guess myself probably too much. And there's definitely a thing about, you know, that first record was so successful. And then I felt with the C, I was given a lot of space because I had started to write that record. And then, you know, halfway through the record, my late husband died completely unexpectedly. And so in my world, that was sort of like, that was the end of my life. You know, I thought, well, this is the end of my life. And I thought, well, I've had a really good life, you know. I'm 29 and I've done all this, I've done all this stuff. And um, the time just became really sort of elastic, I guess. Corinne Bailey Ray is one of the great singers of the modern era. She was famous from her first album, but she hadn't done that many albums over the last 15 years. We talk about that. We talk about how the death of her first husband affected her. We talk about how she's right now working on a new album and what's going on with that. It's really interesting to talk with somebody who's really, really intelligent about music, about her music. For half of this conversation, you'll get that for free. For the whole thing, go to patreon.com slash show. It's definitely worth it. All right, let's dig into it. It's Corinne Bailey Ray on Torre Show. What was the first time that you sang and you felt like, oh yeah, this is for me. I love this. I feel this in my bones of like, this is the best thing in the world. I think it was when I was really young. I remember being doing this Christmas concert at school. And uh, I remember the teacher going down the, the line. We had a bench and there was a few of us sat on the bench, bench and she wanted us to sing this one part. She was looking for someone to sing it. So I must be like six or something. But I remember her going down and saying like, I just want you to sing this one line. It was from, I don't know, this Christmas song. And, uh, you know, so she's like pointing to the person next to me and they had a go and then she was on like, mm, and she pointed to the person. To, and I remember this excitement of thinking like, you know, ask me, ask me. I like, I know I'll be able to do it. 
and I and she did ask me and I did sing and then I, I was chosen to do that part in the play so I liked the feeling of excitement and anticipation like I think this is something I can do but it hasn't been tested and then it got like instantly tested by this was like the head teacher of the whole school you know and and I thought I, I thought I could do that and then I tried to do it and I did do it and then yeah just I don't even remember the performance but I remember that like audition moment and that feeling of um having a wish come true and I thought yeah I absolutely love that do you and remember guess, her reaction to you singing? Like, was she like, oh, wow, that was really good? I don't remember. I mean, she must have thought it was good enough to be like, she chose me. I don't know. Out of the 30 kids, it probably wasn't a very wide group. But yeah, I remember it, her instantly being like, you know, yes, you can do that part. And that's what I really loved, you know, just the the, the wish coming true. When did you When did you start to think, I could do this for a job? I guess I was in this indie band when I was a teenager and everybody I knew was in a band because it was like grunge. So that was what you did. Like you didn't play computer games or you didn't, you know, there was no other activities. It was like everyone played guitar and everyone had a band. Everybody I knew was was in a band who was in the vaguely sort of alternative world, which was everyone because it was like, I don't know, 1997 or something. It's 1994, I guess, when I started that band because I was 15. And I remember there was a few bands in our city that were kind of doing well. And then I remember going to watch a band. And they were just a few years older than us, but they weren't going to finish school because they'd been signed to a label. I remember thinking like, oh, you could do that. You could get signed. You could get paid. You could go on tour. Um, you can make a record that was as big as I had sort of dreamed it you know like they were touring in the UK and I was like I'd love to tour in the UK and love to make a record and so that's what I thought oh, I'd love you know so then it was just like I all we always worked on a band and we had no we had no um like holidays we'd just always be really earnest you know writing and just trying to like enter every competition we could because it's really hard to get recording in those days, you know. So we won a bunch of things, and I always thought that we'd, you know, make it with that band, but it wasn't to be. But the band, the band was called Helen, so that was my dream to be like fronting Helen and sort of being hitting the big time of like the indie clubs of of the UK. You know that that was as big as my ambition was, and I I really loved being in that band. So who were you listening to at that sort of development stage who was sort of informing the singer you would become? Like, like who are your mothers and fathers almost as a singer? Well, it's funny because at that time I would have said like the father, the, the person that was listening to the most at the time would be Kurt Cobain. So it's like the, that voice was a revolution to me. It was like, it's so sort of raw and so true that MTV Unplugged, you know, my friend had taped it off the TV on a VHS. So it was like every day after school, we'd go around like, watch that, watch that. What's he doing? He sounds like he's just talking or he sounds like he's, he, he sounds like his throat's going to break, but he's still sort of playing it and he would just have that like cardigan on. And then we'd be looking at his fingers because, you know, there was no YouTube. It was like, rewind that part what what is he doing and then just even getting into bar chords like once you've learned to clamp onto that shape so that you can send it up and down the, the guitar and so I, I loved Nirvana I loved Bjork because that was this 
totally sort of unconventional voice, but also I loved her. I guess she had that like girl womanhood. So it wasn't, I guess so many people in say R and B at the time were really like, my whole thing is sexy and I'm, you know, and, and her thing was like really kind of girlish and, you know, very womanly and together, but not like sex is part of what I'm selling you as my music. So that really inspired me. And then, you know, hearing Billie Holiday as a teenager was another revelation as well of just hearing someone who had a lot of texture in their voice. Um, and, and I had always had this texture to my voice, which I had bemoaned as a child because it didn't fit in with any of the music we used to do at school, which was all, I guess, like West End musicals, you know, so you had to have this really clear, pure voice. And that's the real, you know, the desire for like the English voice and sort of traditional music. And I guess the music at our school was quite traditional and choral. And so I didn't really fit in with that. And I was in orchestra, I played the violin. But whenever they did musical stuff, it was always like these big grand voices or it's always these really pure sort of choral things. So I never fit in with that. So yeah, Billie Holiday was like, oh, that's something I've never heard before. You know, just this gravelly sort of textured, like insistent conversational. And then like hearing Kurt Cobain and then hearing Bjork with her more unusual pronunciations as well. So I was just like, oh, okay, it's, it's, it's open now. Singing is open to me, you know, and I'd grown up with R&B and, and funk and soul because that's what my parents were into. But I didn't see that as music that I could make, I guess, mainly because I'd come out of this more punk DIY thing where it's like, well, we want to write our own songs. We're just learning the guitar from watching MTV Unplugged. So we're not going to be able to be like Stevie Wonder complex kind of jazz harmony. You know, we haven't had those music lessons, we just want to write, like, we, we want that thing of, like, you've learned three chords, now now write all the songs you can think of. So so I, I have that. Billie Holiday is not a surprise as a core inspiration because you evoke that vibe for me and for a lot of people now um, in terms of the depth of the sound, in terms of where the sound seems to come from inside of you. Um, I mean, it, it definitely seems like she's listened to Billie Holiday. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I absolutely love her and I didn't discover her till I was a teenager. Um, it was, there was one of those adverts on TV. You might not have had them in America, but we had this thing where you could go to the post office, you know, and then you got like a binder and it was jazz great. So the first one was Billie Holiday and that was, that was the cheapest because it was the first one. And that was like, I don't know, one ninety nine, And, you know, my family, we didn't have that. When we were growing up, the three of us, we didn't really have spare money, you know, because it's three girls. And um, so the fact that it was this singer and it was cheap and I could just go up the street and get it. I was just like, mom, mom, I've, heard, I've just heard of this singer. And she's got, mom was like, I love Billie Holiday. And I have seen this film with um, Diana Ross where she's played by Billie Holiday and it's like well we've never listened to Billie Holiday before you know we didn't have any of her records so that it was really revolutionary to me of like you can sing but you can bend up to notes I had always had to do that because I have never been able to just land like here's my like right in the middle of the target intonation and so it was 
I loved hearing him, but my first response was like, how come I didn't hear his voice when I was seven or eight or 10 or 12 or when it would have made me feel a different way about my own singing. So it's instantly, it made me feel a different way about the sound I could make because up until then I would be listening to like emotions by Mariah Carey and thinking, why? You know, it's like, <laughs> I, I want to sound like that, but I just, I can't get that sound to come out. I've got this, there's this texture around my voice that I just can't get rid of. So yeah. So hearing Billy Holiday was a, a big thing for me. It's funny to hear you say that you sort of, uh, envied Mariah. I mean, Mar- Mariah is like a, an extraordinary athlete, but you're a real singer, like a real singer. And, and there's a lot of things that you can do with your voice. I don't think of your voice as like, she's limited and she's getting by on like personality or oh. like, <laughs> like, you know. Oh, well, that's like, good. I mean, I guess everyone feels like funny about their own instrument or whatever. And I feel like I've definitely come into it and, and on my best days when it's like, I've slept, I'm rested, I don't have a cold. I feel when I get to sing it, it feels to me like flying. It's like an out of body experience. It's like I'm in front of the audience, but I'm not really there. I'm just in my total element, you know, and then when the song finishes or people clap, I am always kind of like sort of shaken out of it because on a, on a really good show um, where I guess the audience is really with us and, and I feel like I can do what I love to do then it re- it does really click in. You know, I feel like I'm not a natural performer. Like I, I'm not the sort of person that goes to a party and it's like, right, everyone, I'm here. Let the <laughs> fun commence. You know, like I'm the center of attention. I'm going to regale you with stories. And um, I don't really feel like I'm that person. So I, I can't, I feel like I can't turn it on is what I'm trying to say. And I've been at, I've been at plenty, plenty of things now, you know, especially TV shows where it's like, here's your two minutes and 30 seconds, you know, and you're just like, ah, exactly. I just get terrified. But when I've got that, it's an hour, it's an hour and a half and I get to walk on stage and you hear that applause and then you think, right, we're here. And you kind of like, I don't know, take the energy from that moment. Then I really feel like something just happens, you know, when, when the, the music comes together and, you know, we always play live. We don't use backing tracks. We don't use click tracks. So I always feel it's just, anything could happen. And that kind of focuses me in a way that I can't get in any other context, you know, even the studio. So. Do you um, feel like you're flying the whole time or is it like, you know, like, like you get into that moment, that moment, the big part of the song and you're now you're like, now I'm levitating. Yeah. I feel like it's a moment. It might be like a few songs in. So I think the first few songs, like, right. Is everything working? Can I hear myself? I see the photographers, right? I do my first track and then I've got to pick up my guitar. Is it in tune? And it's, it's, it's kind of more organized. I'm like, you were just doing, we're kind of laying the foundations or whatever. And you know, what kind of room is it? Is there a bar at the back of people talking? Is it, is there wings? Am I looking at the balcony? So it's like the first few songs, I feel like I'm taking it all in. And then there'll just be a moment where it switches. It might happen in the third song or the fourth song or where it just goes into another thing where it's like, I feel like I'm there, but I'm not really there. And that is what I, that high can sustain me for a really long time, you know, (laughs) really long time. (laughs) It sounds amazing. Um, Do you love the sound of your voice? 
I like the feeling of singing. That's what I guess I would say. Like, I don't, I don't like, um, you know, if I'm somewhere like a restaurant or a supermarket or someone else's house, you know, or like the one, one you'll do is like going to get your hair cut and they'll say, hey, let's listen to your music or something. Or like, let's put on Karim Bailey Ray Pandora or something. So it's like, you can relax and then something will pop up. It's my own song. And I, and I, you know, because I'm a producer as well, it's like all the time I'm just taking it apart. I'm like, oh, we should have kept the drums going in that second verse or, oh, we should have, you know, it should be compressed more heavily so that it bounce out the speakers more or why didn't I brighten the vocal here or that could, that could have been made more of. So, yeah, I find, especially my own re- records, I find it hard to listen back to um, until, you know, several years later. But, yeah, straight away, I just... I don't like to listen to it because I like to be in it. I don't like to analyze it from the outside because I, I don't have that amount of technical skill, I guess, or perception, whatever. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. One of the people who helped inspire me to want to be in broadcasting is Oprah Winfrey. She's an inspiration for so many of us, but her daytime talk show was so incredible. And it told me that you could be black and authentic and real on TV. And that made me want to do it, too. Black Stories, Black Truths is NPR's new collection that's a celebration of blackness. Each of NPR's black voices are as direct, varied, distinct and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and how to create world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. Black perspectives that haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story, but now they are the story. On NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast that center Black voices. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, as nuanced, and as Black as we are. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Influencer. It's a word that gets tossed around a lot these days. There is a woman who went the distance, who broke ground as the first true influencer by living a remarkable life. 
Her name, Elizabeth Taylor. I'm Katy Perry. This is the story of the original influencer. This is Elizabeth I. Elizabeth I, the podcast, wherever you listen. I'm Danielle Moody. I'm Torre. Be sure to check out Democracy-ish, where we channeled the frustration, rage, and absurdity that was the 2020 election, as well as discuss the current state of the political climate and our country from a Black perspective. New episodes available every Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you stream your podcasts. I may jump back for a second, because the first name that you said in terms of influences was Kurt Cobain. And... He, I loved Nirvana. He was a very powerful communicator, but he was just barely singing. He, he uh, was, you know, it was well, really like. It's funny when you listen back to Nirvana, it's so much more melodic than you remember it being. Because I guess at the time it was, it was so radical because it was like pared down melod- melodies and really repet- repetitive and rhythmical. But now when I listen to it, I think actually that's quite, melodic especially compared to say i don't know like a trap vocal which might be even more horizontal and all about the the melody um, sorry all about the rhythm and might be just moving between you know like the the music that say i would say rihanna brought into popular culture where it's like it's a lot about the rhythm and about a kind of horizontal melody you know if you compare like nirvana to that it sounds like nursery rhymes or something it really is it's really uh it's very melodic and up and down and you know so i listened to it recently i was like wow this is this is pop music actually you know and it was i mean it was it was just like it was everywhere he's so low and so low sort of energy low tonally and really i I mean like like I said, barely a singer, and you're a real singer. And I wonder, like, what you take from his influence when I'm like, what you're doing seems to me like a, a planet away from what he was doing. Oh, that's really kind. Well, I guess, you know, I've got more into soulful vocals as I've got older and being more free and being more confident in my voice. You know, I worked in a jazz and soul club when I was at university. So I was doing English literature and then I would walk from my lecture hall to this club called the underground, which was, it was maybe about a 10 minute walk. So I'd walk in my kind of thick built up kind of Spice Girls sketches and my silver Bjork, you know, long skirt and I would walk from university to this club and it was really immersive uh immersive experience of being around jazz because it was meeting jazz musicians for the first time so people who weren't bothered about getting the mortgage getting the car getting the high status job it was like you know some of them had studied some of them hadn't but they were there and they just were living it and they were doing like three gigs a day and there was, you know, it was like the old days. It's like people smoking in a dark room and, but everyone's like 20 and, and, uh, you know, things are going to live forever. And the people are discussing like politics and art and someone's read this philosopher. And it was very, I really liked that scene and I hadn't been around a sort of community like that, I guess, outside of church, which I'd, you know, grown up in. So it's like this bunch of people who really cared for each other and supported each other and believed in each other. 
and were really committed to, I guess, soul music and jazz and, and then like, you know, hip hop and it even ha- it, one of the nights was a salsa night. So that, that had, there was that community as well. There's quite a lot of Brazilian people in Leeds as well. So, but that for me was just like a real awakening. And I remember I would get up and sing with those bands. So I wasn't playing my guitar. So I wasn't limited to kind of what I could do on the guitar. It was suddenly like, oh, what happens if I sing this Curtis Mayfield song? Or what happens if I sing this Bill Withers song? Or this Aretha Franklin song? Or, you know, they were so good. And it made me feel like I was on a sort of magic carpet or something. Like I, I sort of couldn't go wrong that, you know, they were all a bit older than me. And, and um, that was an awakening as well. I was like, oh, I really like... I like singing other people's music. I like singing in this freeway and I like singing, I guess, where I don't have to go at the, the speed of the slowest member. So, I mean, all of us in our band, we were all just like, just getting by on our instruments. And that was the, that was the thing. It was like punk, more of a punk band. Whereas this was like, Ooh, when you play with people who are miles better than you, it, it makes, it turns your thing into something else. So that was a revelation. Let's talk about, you talk about some of the singers you love, but let's talk about, um, are there songs that you, other people's songs that you loved that were like, for me as a singer, like this is the song. Um, I mean, I guess at that time I would have sang like sort of any Stevie Wonder song was just like a map of how to, how to tell a story and all his sort of turns and phrases and where, where he sort of pulled back and, I guess we used to sing like, like even like my Sherry and more, I just used to be like, Oh, this just is so romantic and beautiful. But you know, um, I guess I was at the time I was falling in love with a person who played the saxophone at the same club. So I would get up and play and then like, he would be there and I'd be there. And like, mm, I liked your thing. Oh, I like your thing. And it was, so it was very, it was like every time I went to sing, like he would be there and I'd be thinking like, I wonder if he is into this or I wonder if he's getting like the secret message of this massively obvious love song, you know, that I'm doing or what, whatever it would be, you know? So, um, I think, yeah, I, ch- I chose a lot of things, which is like, you know, you can't see the way I feel, but, but here it is. But yeah, I mean, I fell in love with Bill Withers, uh, love Bill Withers sort of paired back sort of honest, you know, storytelling uh i mean i, I absolutely built love bill with us still and you know on a daily basis just like reflect on his songwriting and uh the, the simplicity of it and the truth of it you know and write something like i can't write left-handed or uh, or ain't no sunshine or grandma's hands or um yeah just they're, they're, they're amazing stories Grandma's Hands is such an amazing story, you know, because so many songs are about loving um, somebody who's abstract, right? Like, I love you, you're amazing, you're the perfect person. But, like, Grandma's Hands, it just tells the story, and it's familial love, not romantic yes. love. Yeah. It's, it's like a poem. I, absolutely. And to focus on a part of the body of a person as well. It's not like Grandma's Smile. It's It's sort of like the actions of this person are the things that made me love them. 
um, yeah, it, it's incredible. And again, that sort of is, is he's so earthy and he's so real. And I don't know, you feel like if you're in the room with him, it would just be able to sort of look into your soul, you know, or so when I think of Ill Withers, I think it's like a thing of stripping off. Like when you write writing songs, it's like you're stripping off phoniness and you just, you just got to pare it down to, to what's real. You know, I've seen interviews with him where he's like, he's getting offered record contracts, but he's like, well, I've got a really good job fixing these toilets on these aeroplanes. You know, he's just, he sort of doesn't need the, he's not into it for the showbiz, you know? And, and, um, yeah, I mean, he, I mean he's Steve, a really remarkable writer. Stevie Wonder has done it so many times, and I can barely think of just one, but as comes to mind as just one of his towering achievements. Uh, and yeah. and, it, and it, it builds to this crescendo, right? Like, it starts, like, kind of small, and then it builds. He's, like, screaming his love from the mountaintops. Yeah. And, yeah. like, yeah. you know, it's just a story. It's an amazing story. And and to me, Stephen has that thing where it's, like, he has total freedom. And I, you know, I'm a fan of, like, his historic work, but also just being at the school of Stevie Wonder, which is, like, going to a show now that he does, where you're just, like, how is he still doing this? But, you know, hearing him... Like he's just leaping all over the place. You feel like there's nothing he can't do with his voice, but he also has this absolute freedom when he's on stage where it's like, he'll just hop around his career. The band needs to know everything because he might just decide to do something that he hasn't done for, you know, five years or whatever, 10 years. But also he can sometimes, like sometimes he might forget a word or, or a line and he'll laugh and he'll, you know, like style it out. Like he, he's just, he's so sort of bold. Like he can't make a mistake. Everything he does is just really beautiful. That's not uncommon, right? For like a professional singer to like forget part of the verse. Yeah. And kind of, right? Be on stage, you kind of like just, la, 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 la. And like, yeah. right? Like, you, like you've but done also, that, right? I mean, Stevie must have this amazing memory because if you think, I've been to lots of big shows where basically people definitely have like an auto cue with the words of their own songs because they're doing like 50 years of music and you think, fair enough. Well, obviously Stevie just has it all in his head. He's not reading the, the melodies and the words. Maybe like you. Have I done that before? Do you know, I haven't really done it with my own songs, but I feel like I've done it on like major, like TV things like say it's the Grammys, but it's an edit of your own song. So, it's, so you miss out the second verse and you flip to this, da, da, da. And I always just feel like I call it an American thing. It's like Americans that they just make me feel like really unprofessional because because I'll be doing stuff with like people and they're just like, oh yeah, you drop this and then and this and then it's got three stabs and we do the chord check, the key change, and then and I'm always in the rehearsal like, oh, oh I'm not going to be able to remember this. And so many times I've got that sickening thing where it's like you know the orchestra has gone onto the next section and I'm like, oh yeah, we're meant to miss out that verse. So I've had loads of things like that. Or like times when I've fluffed lines of other people's songs. I've you know I've learned especially because it's a performance in front of like I don't know Quincy Jones or you know, and you just <laughs> other people don't tend to notice. But I come off stage like, oh well, that's the end of my life. You know why did that was my chance? You know why did I do that? And it's so uh, yeah, it's really hard when the things like that go wrong. But I've had the opposite where I like I sang um baby baby you know that Smokey Robinson song but it was like a Smokey Robinson tribute 
to where to him where he was there and uh, in in Washington DC and I knew he was there and it's like I felt like it just it just happened you know and then afterwards he was like oh you sang the shit out of that song and I was like ah. that was Ricky Robinson like I just remember that forever like I that's all the praise I need you know right yeah um, it was Ricky Robinson tell me about writing a song how do you write a song how do I write a song I most of the time when I write songs I guess until recently most of the time I've written songs I'll have my guitar and I'll just be finding shapes finding shapes finding shapes playing chords and when I hit on some and I'll be singing out at the same time and sometimes one line will come out and I'll think oh I really like that you know I haven't really I haven't planned it ahead so it's like it'll happen that I'll hit a certain chord and I'll sing a certain line with some words and a melody and then I think right that's my that's my fragment or whatever. Like that's my sort of golden piece. And then I'll just keep going and keep going. And then I might get like a little chain of those. And when I've got something that I feel is, it might be just like a bit of a verse or a bit of a chorus or a bit of a bridge. And then it's a case of trying other things to see if it fits or, you know, I I have had things before, especially more harmonically simple things um there's something in my last record called uh, a song called walk on where it did all just come out in one go because it's just literally i'm playing two chords on the piano i don't play the piano so it's like i'm just plonking my hands and remembering plonk it there and then put it here but this thing's coming out more like a sort of stream of consciousness um and that's how i tend to write just kind of let, letting things flood out i guess there's other situations where i write with people and, you know, sometimes that's successful if I can feel comfortable and, and confident. And then there's other times where it's like the thing in me that comes out just kind of hides away, you know, and then it's, then it's, it makes it difficult, you know, mm. when it's like that. Yeah. And then, and then more recently I've, I've been writing, I've been writing this record where I'm sort of responding to these objects. So, and I didn't set out to do it, but I just saw I was in this art space and I saw something, and then when I left, I realized that I was thinking about the, it was, this thing was a pot, you know, so I was, I was just thinking about this pot, you know. Are you always open, or is it like, okay, now I'm getting into album mode, now I need to be, like, open to the universe and to inspiration? I feel like I'm always open to it. I mean, if I'm on a really full-on tour where where it's just like, got to eat, got to sleep, got to get on this plane. Got da, 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 da. I'm less likely to be in the mode of like, yeah, I'm looking at leaves. But then sometimes even when you're, you know, a, a good long um, plane journey will do it, you know, where especially before you had Wi-Fi on planes or whatever, it's just like, I'm tired. I've had a little sleep. I've had some food. And now my brain's just, you know, 10 more hours to go. I feel like you're, imagination just helps to entertain you so sometimes it'll, i've got so many like voice notes of like ah, you know just like singing little like things that when i go back to them they don't make any sense but at the time on the way to japan like seven hours into the flight i just have to get it down and it's like mostly background noise but then something in there like some melody that i'm like yeah i need to do something with this but so. you're in album mode now right 
yes, I'm in album mode now. I mean, I'm quite far into this record that I'm writing. I, I guess I'm closer to finishing it, I guess. Wow. But, How many know, songs it, are done? It, it always takes me a long time to make re- records because I, because I write them and because I'm producing as well. And that's, it's always a bit of a sore point, I guess, with people that I work with, but I really like making, I really like making music. To me, that's a massive fun part of it. Like you've written a song, but you think, well, is this bit going to be strings or is this bit going to be synths or is this bit going to be quiet or is this bit going to be just me and the, we're dropping out the drums or is it going to be this amazing drum I know or are we going to program it or are we going to have horns or is it going to be is it going to be guitar takes and then how many guitar takes we're going to do and then is it going to be crazy delays or how are we going to make is it going to be a stark or is it going to be like weird reverb world like all of those questions to me are fascinating and fun and I like to play and I like to get it wrong and you know I've definitely made stuff where I feel like I haven't got it right you know and maybe someone else would have done a better job of producing it but at the same time that to me is that's so much of the fun of it and I have tried it the other way around and you know especially being on a labor it's like this person is you know it's like that Zoolander thing where it's like this person is so hot right now you know if you work with X everything's gonna be you know so and frequently I feel bad for that person but whoever X is is busy the the person who ever is x at that time is so busy that even if they just loved you and they were like i really want to produce your record you know i've been in situations with people like who are literally like the hottest thing on the planet it's like right let's write a song together and okay so they're in the studio they may or may not be several hours late and then when you get there, it's like, right, let's da, 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 let's work on this. And and then like maybe 45 minutes into it, they're like, okay, when you get some ideas, you tell Jeff, okay? Jeff's going to record them. And then I'm going to be down the hall because I've got another artist in this studio and I'm going to be working with them. But then when you get your thing and you're just like, I, the thing that's in me that can create just hides away at that moment. It's not even like um, I feel offended I just feel like I just don't know how to do it like that you know I just don't know how to do it like that so I have had a few run-ins with people who are just like in the white heat of success and trying to mesh with them is so hard and just (laughs) it just always seems to go wrong for me so you know like there's been plenty of years where I thought like I'm the only person who didn't have a hit with x because we tried it out and it just Did it work? didn't work. Can you tell me how many songs are done for the new record? And is there a general tone or inspiration to this one that we can characterize? Well, this record, weirdly enough, like when I first started doing it, because it's responding to these objects, they say, I'm not going to te- say loads about it because, because I just want to, when I, when I talk about it, I want it to be the right thing, but I, But I want to say, when I first started working on this project, I was like, oh, it's just going to be a few songs because, you know, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to become obsessed with this place. But then I was on tour at the time and I'd been in this particular building and I just became obsessed with all the things that I saw. And then when I arranged this 
visit back. I ended up staying for two weeks working in this archive. And it was just like one thing led to another. This photograph led to something else. And then I, you know, and then I interviewed that person. And then I went to this place and I went to this exhibition and this exhibition. And it was just, um, it just became an obsession of mine. So this record is like a double album. So, so it's like, I don't know, more than 20 songs. And I'm oh. writing songs for them all the time. I'm writing songs for it all the time. We've just got this plate reverb, which is like a huge, well, it's like a huge metal plate inside a wooden box. And they just installed it in our studio. And as they were putting it in, I was like, okay, I've just finished another piece to this song that I've been writing for years. It's, it's a song. It's actually a song about Nina Simone. And I've had the title for ages in my head. And then when I saw this, I kind of imagined the sound of it that, they make the reverb by sending the signal onto this metal plate and it sort of wobbles and just creates this really sort of gorgeous, lush, reverberant sound. And so when I saw that piece of equipment, I thought, right, and then I started finishing the song. And uh, I guess, yeah, it's not it's not far off, but we are doing this huge studio reinstallment, which is keeping me out of the studio. But I think my frustration is helping to just get me to finish all the bits you know but yeah and also not not getting to tour is it's like it's it's agony but at the same time the feeling the juice that I would sort of get out of it it's like I have to put it into something else so it's like I've got all these different projects on the go but I definitely want this record to come out this year so I'm just trying to get that done What does eating healthy mean to you? Whatever your eating goals, Thrive Market is the best place to get all your groceries and household essentials. And getting Thrive shipped to your door is like having a great supermarket right outside your house. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and ethical sourcing methods. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks or low sugar alternatives or gluten-free essentials, Thrive Market's got it and their site lets you curate your shopping experience quickly. And as a Thrive member, I save on every order. Usually about 30%, which of course I love. And when you join, you help a family in need with the membership matching program. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a $60 gift for free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E Market. Dot com slash Toray. Thrivemarket.com slash Toray. On March 16th, 2000, two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta. Jamil Alamine, a Muslim leader and former black power activist, was convicted. But the evidence was shaky, and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial. My name is Mosi Secret, and when I started investigating this case in my hometown, I uncovered a dark truth about America. From Tinderfoot TV, Campside Media, and iHeart Podcasts, Radical is available now. Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, that was great. For more from me and Corinne, join us over at patreon.com slash show. There's a whole another half hour of awesome conversation over there. When you subscribe for just $5 a month, you get the full episodes that we do on Wednesdays and our Friday Patreon exclusives. That's patreon.com 
slash Torrey show. Thanks so much to Corinne for a great interview. This is really awesome and quite an honor and a pleasure. And thanks to you for listening. And thanks to our super producers, Britt, Marcus Harkis, Noel, Sam Montes, Jason Reynolds, Gerville Calais, Michelle Brenda Cox, Kathy F., Keena Murphy, and Earl Dorsey. Torrey show gives you fuel to power your dreams because you can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast you into a life you never imagined. You can make your dreams a reality. And this show can help. You can find me on Twitter at Torre and on Instagram at Torre Show. And of course on Patreon at patreon.com slash Torre Show. Torre Show is written by me, Torre, and produced by Jackie Garifano. Our editor is Ryan Woodhall. Our photographers are Chuck Marcus and Shanta Covington. Our booker is Claudia Jean. And we're distributed by DCP Entertainment. And we will be back on Friday and on Wednesday with more amazing guests. Because the man can't shut us down. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered.